Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Glass. Today, I am joined with Miss Amy Blackburn. Amy, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm living the dream. <laughs> uh, so in my notes here, I have that you have a blog called The Confident Cubicle. Yes. Uh, would you like to kind of talk about that for a second? Yeah. So it's really fresh. It's really new. It's nothing crazy, but... I just with COVID and quarantine, I was just kind of looking for a, a creative outlet and kind of wanted to, I don't know, expand like stuff I'm interested in. And, and I've always been into, you know, professional development, career development. I really like that stuff. I really like connecting with other people that are within the sports industry, outside of the sports industry. I'm constantly wanting to learn. And one of the things I'm not overly familiar with is social media and marketing and those kinds of things. So I thought this would be a really good way for me to get outside of my comfort zone um, and just kind of learn some of the social media stuff and just kind of put my, give myself a platform and, and to create some new relationships and just kind of try to build a brand myself. So I'm not like overly tech, like savvy with it, but I'm starting to like get into it. So I really like to write as well. So that was kind of a big side piece of it and I just feel like I just wanted to create something for fun and just see how it goes and I've loved doing it I've connected with a lot of people that are inside the sports industry outside um, it's been really cool to just be I don't know do something different I I don't know and it's maybe it's not that different but to me it's different and new so I've really enjoyed it I like writing and it's kept me sane during COVID I guess so yeah it's a little bit about it got to be confident when you're in your cubicle no matter where you work. So that was kind of the train of thought behind it. Yeah, it, it sounds a lot like what I'm trying to do here, yeah. attempting to do here is just just connect with people, talk with people. And you know, it's something why not if you enjoy doing it and yeah. other people read it or other people listen to it. I mean, go for it. A hundred percent. And it's, it's like scary to put yourself out there. And like, I totally know how you feel where you're like, oh, it's like, kind of like a weird Cause there's people like that are listening to you from like all around the country. And I'm sure you can see like around the world, like they'll probably have people in, in different countries listening randomly. And it's like, it's kind of crazy at first. Cause you're like, Whoa, I'm like really putting myself out there. But I mean, yeah, like you said, like, why not? What's, what do you have to lose? So yeah, that's kind of been my mantra with it. And it's just for fun. So, you know, if, I do a TikTok and blow up or something, <laughs> you know, like go for it. I can't TikTok or do any of that, but it's like, I know that's kind of what the kids do. So. Yeah. I, I might be the worst dancer. I know. <laughs> like the TikToks are hard. I also, I just, but it's so wild how influential it is. And you really have to kind of, in order to, I feel like move forward in the career, no matter what career you're in, you really have to kind of know a little bit of that piece to it. Cause it's so important for marketing and, you know, audience reach and just all these different things. So you kind of have to learn at least a piece of it. I feel like in order to kind of be successful in today's working world, I feel like. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, your like careers as a whole, but you know, I have in my notes here that um, you've shifted career paths a time or two. Oh, yes. Um, and, and you've, uh, you didn't really know what you wanted to do right away. Uh, can you mm -hmm. speak into that a little and talk about that? I'll speak on it. Okay. So 
I knew I wanted to work in sports or at least like when I was in high school, I tore my ACL like twice and then going into college, I like partially tore it again. So I'm like an ACL queen. I also was a, a basketballer. So I'm like right there with you. So I was around sports medicine all the time. Um, and just like my household, I grew up in a very sports oriented household. Um, my great grandfather was the Green Bay Packers head coach. And like, we just were, we had memorabilia everywhere. And my dad just was like a sports fanatic. So I thought, okay, like you do what your parents kind of influence you on. And that was, you know, an importance of sports. And so you'd, you either do what your parents do, or you, you know, take what they kind of influence you with. And that's kind of the sports avenue. And so with me being around the sports medicine, athletic trainers and PTs all the time, I thought, you know, I, I enjoy it. It's cool. I, I was an athlete. I, I love my athletic trainers. I love my PTs. So I went into college just thinking, okay, this is how, you know, I think I'm going to, I want to pursue this. And so yeah, I went to the university of Iowa um, which is a really competitive athletic training program, got in. Um, and it's a very, it was a very small program. There was maybe 15 or 16 of us. So it was really selective. And it was so cool though, because you got to work directly with these different teams. So I worked with football, um, basketball, women's basketball, uh, swim and dive, you know, just, you really get to get hands-on and get to know the student athletes. And when they're your age, it makes it even cooler because, you know, they're a student, they're in school and you're in school, you're the same age. So I loved being around them, but I knew like, so after my undergrad, I wasn't really quite sure. Like I really liked athletic training. I loved working with the student athletes, but I saw that there was such a disparity between the athletic trainers and the administration. I feel like they didn't really have a necessarily like the biggest voice. And so I knew that I wanted to get in a position of influence where I could not only be a support to them, but the student athletes in a, in a different capacity. Cause I think there's no greater and no better person that's going to know what, what the student athletes coaches, all of those different support staff than an athletic trainer. Cause you're just, you're so in it. You're working with them every day you're seeing the mental health side, you're seeing the physical side, you're seeing the, the tears, the laughter, all of that stuff. And it's such an underappreciated field that I just felt like I wanted to get in a position where eventually like I could help try to give back to that and just show how important the support staff is in, in a collegiate setting. So in my master's, I went to the University of Whitewater then where again, still was kind of thinking sports med, but I knew in my master's, I was transitioning to an athletic administration role where then I could pivot or look at what other options there are. I feel like it's really difficult when you're, no matter what career you're in, you just don't know how many options are available. Like you kind of know like the the one job, like, like in that field, but you don't not realize like how much other, how many other positions there are or like what the possibilities are or is the position not yet created? Because I feel like a lot of jobs that are going to be created are going to be created brand new with our generation. So it's just, it was interesting because I didn't realize how much, how unique of a position I could be in outside of athletic training 
within the athletics world or sports world. And now I'm kind of transitioned a lot, but I'm learning, okay, well, wow, there's like this option, this option, or I can create my own path, which is cool. But during my master's, I um, studied athletic administration and was a graduate assistant for baseball, wrestling, and cross country, um, which was awesome. I loved it. I had primarily worked with female teams when I was at Iowa because I really enjoyed that. Um, so working in a in with male teams was unique and challenging in its in its own. And especially when you're just a little bit older than them, you really have to kind of be an authoritative figure, which was at times tricky, but definitely was a really good experience for me to learn how to be authoritative and not take shit from, you know, little, the student athletes. <laughs> um, and so then I met my, uh, he was the CFO at Wisconsin at the time. His name is Mario Morris. Um, he's my mentor. He's amazing. He's currently the deputy AD at Notre Dame. Um, but he was one of the professors in my master's program at uh, Whitewater. And he taught a multitude of classes. He taught compliance and different athletic administration courses. And I really enjoyed them. And I just, you know, kind of like you, it's like you build your network and you see, okay, like you gotta, you gotta develop these relationships so that you can, you know, people want to help you and they want to help you along with your career. So I did the same thing. I just said, okay, like you're obviously a person of influence. And I thought he was incredibly well-spoken. So I just, you know, did well in his class. And then after I said, Hey, like, I'm looking to transition out of athletic training. I want to stay in it. I want to go into administration. I'm just not sure what role would be a good fit. Um, and so funny enough, he was like, okay, like he, you know, we developed a great relationship in my master's and he's like, you know what? We actually have a position that you should apply for in the business office. And I was like, whoa, math, math was super hard for me in high school. Like I hated math. Like, what am I going to do in the business office? And then the physician was a financial specialist. Whoa, that's even scarier. <laughs> like, what, what? Like, I'm going to be like in charge of math. I'm pretty sure I'm like slightly dyslexic. So I like mix numbers. Like, I don't know how this is going to go, but like, okay, like this is what I asked for. So I guess like I'll step up to the plate. And then I just knew I had to work really, really hard. And in order to be looked at in a way where it was like, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be here because anybody that looked at my resume was like athletic training, like, what are we doing Mario? And so I wanted to make sure that I stood out and set myself apart from other people and did a good job in what I was specifically doing at that time. And also didn't want to disappoint Mario because he gave me the olive branch and I grabbed that fucking olive branch. And I just like kept going, you know, like, cause I, I knew I knew nothing about anything accounting wise or anything, but I worked really hard and I just tried to be the best financial specialist I could, whether it was my dream job or not. And then I transitioned into, I knew I wanted to do revenue. Obviously I'm a big talker. I haven't stopped talking for the last 15 minutes. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I had to take a breath there. I'm so sorry. I'm a really big talker. Uh, but then I knew I wanted to like work on the other side. Like I really like getting to know people. I really like, um, I really enjoy meeting new people. So I knew I wanted to get on the revenue side, but I loved getting to seeing everything behind the scenes, how things get paid, where the money goes, how you take what is fundraised and then apply it into, you know, A, B, and C, you know? And so that was super informative and helpful of learning 
how do we get our student athletes meals? Um, where does that money come from? How do we pay for their scholarships? How do we um, do their travel expenses? I mean, there's so much that goes into it that it was so beneficial for me to learn and see how much money it takes to be an operational division one program. And then to then transition to the other side of, okay, now I'm gonna go make the money for these programs and these different, you know, all these different things that we need in order to support our student athletes. I'm gonna to transition to that. And so now I'm in a development officer role. Um, so I work just in fundraising for all 23 sports and really try to take everything I learned from the business office and my experience as an athletic trainer and apply it to, you know, hey, I know, I know that the student athletes tape's not cheap. And we got basketball players that get their ankles taped every practice. It's not, it's not a cheap thing. So we need money to support our student athletes so they can get great sports medicine um, treatment and whatnot. So now I'm just uh, in a support staff position where I'm in the fundraising and revenue generating side of things. Yeah, you, uh, you brought up a lot of parts where I kind of want to I'm split between two parts I know I'm here. sorry I, I really just... wouldn't long-winded on that one no so no you're good I I love it um so you first you talked about kind of your grandpa and your dad them being involved in sports and that kind of really influencing you uh to get really into sports and obviously it was your choice to do it uh after a certain point in time but how how important is you know the people you're surrounded by and you know your your friends and your coworkers yeah. and how important is that when it comes to influencing your decision-making? Yeah, it's really weird because I feel like a lot of people, I especially like was thinking, I don't want to disappoint my dad by not pursuing sports. Like I've gone this far, like, is it going to be disappointing to him if I don't do it? And, or like, what if I look at doing something else? Am I going to like let down Mario or like let down people that have invested their time and and you know, wisdom and and tried to help me along my career. I feel like a lot of people feel like that, where you want you don't want to like disappoint people by not pursuing something that you thought was your dream or thought was what you wanted to do. And I kind of felt like that with athletic training because I obviously spent a, a lot of time and I mean school going and pursuing that career. And not that I wouldn't ever go back to it because I loved it. But I definitely felt like it was hard for me to transition out of it when I had mentors and amazing people that I looked up to that were athletic trainers and, you know, just saying, okay, I think I'm going to try something else was a really scary, scary moment. But if you don't do it for yourself, then you're really never going to do it. So I don't know if you felt like that when you were looking at sports psychology. Um, I, I wouldn't say I necessarily felt like I was influenced to do it, but I definitely felt since it's something that's so new yeah. um, and not a lot of people understand it, that uh, it, at times I felt like I had been kind of looked down with it just because it's so new yeah. and people don't necessarily understand it that, I don't know, they kind of are like, okay, that's, that's not going to turn into anything. You don't, you don't just work with athletes in the mental performance side when there's, there's already so many things in the athlete's corner, you know? See, that's really interesting because I feel like the, op, well, I, I mean, just kind of when I was in the business office, I got to know all the different departments that we had and, and who's in them. And there has been a huge push for mental health and sports. And 
that was something that I, I mean, is so important. And as an athletic trainer, I was always keen on looking for certain things because it's, I mean, and especially when, when student athletes are transitioning out of sports, when they're done, there's a huge need for addressing those kinds of issues. Um, especially I feel like mental health in general, especially with COVID it's like the importance of it is being blown up. Like people are seeing the need for it. They're seeing the, the attention and the, the investing that needs to go into that field. Because I feel like there's, you can't, you have to have a well-rounded student athlete or schools want to have a well-rounded student athlete. And that's a lot of their recruiting tool is saying, Hey, we're going to help you on a, B and C and a, B and C is going to involve not only developing you as a player, developing you as a student, but like also making sure that you're mentally healthy and can prepare yourself for the next stage of your life. Cause as we know, there's a very small percentage of student athletes that are able to go to the pros. And that's a really hard pill to swallow, I think, for a lot of students because it's so much of their identity. Um, so I I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating and booming industries is, is going to be sports psychology for sure, 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad, you know, I'm taking notes as we kind of talk here. And I'm really glad you touched on identity because you mentioned uh, as people move on from sports, college athletes, high school athletes, you know, as athletes, and, and you know as well as any of us, you, you devote so much time, hours in the gym, hours on the football field or the softball field or the soccer field, whatever it is, that you get done and you have all this time and you, you feel like you were working towards nothing. And the mental health, I mean, our day and age with COVID and you know the social media booming and everything yeah um mental health has become a very important aspect of everyone's lives not just yeah. not just athletes at all um, no yeah a hundred percent like social media is such a amazing thing but it's also such a detrimental thing I think you really have to be careful with how you navigate it because it's such a it's such a powerful tool that it's it can be a good thing and it can be a really negative thing but I think with so many student athletes, like there, I feel like there's no better, you're never going to have a better employee or a better, like these are our next like CFOs, our leaders, because you are conditioned to show up on time. You are conditioned to, you know, be where you're supposed to be multitask. You're doing school and you're traveling to where you got to go. Um, you, you're doing all these different things that are really what takes to be in that next level of a good employee or the next CFO or whatever. So I feel like there's such de developed people that when they get to that, like they have a minute to like breathe because they don't have to run to practice or a game or class or whatever. It's this moment of like silence. That's like, what do I do with all this time that they're not used to having? And so it's like, how do you fill that time? So it's, yeah, it's, it's something that's really, I think going to be, it is very important to help transition them to that next stage of like life because it is their life for so long that it's, it's definitely going to be extremely important for people to make sure they're investing in the right tools so that they can help these, help these student athletes get to that next successful phase of their life. Mm -hmm. Right. And you, you talked about phones there for a second. I just want to put a little shameless plug. There's a documentary on Netflix called the social dilemma. Um, yeah. And I, I talk about it all the time. I love it. I think everybody yeah. should uh, take it's a so look crazy, at it. isn't it? it mind-blowing mind-blowing I know yeah I know um 
It's so wild. Right. And then you talked about, you know, time, all these athletes have all this time afterwards and, uh, you know, it's, it's time management, but it's almost more so attention management. You know, you, you have, you know, all this time to do whatever you want, but what are you really focusing your attention on in there? And I think a lot of times we get caught up, you know, asking for more time. Oh, if there were more hours in a day, well, if there were more hours in a day, you'd do more of the same thing, same things that you're doing already. And Mm -hmm. So it, it comes down to priorities, but you talked about, and you, you we're talking about, you know, your, your mentor, Mario Morris, and what are, what are some of the things that he's taught you and you've learned from him as you've gone throughout your career? Oh man, he is a boss, a boss of a guy. So I don't know, Mario's taught me that adversity you're always going to face adversity but it's how you approach the adversity and how you let it affect you moving forward that is what will make or break you mentally emotionally physically and so much of our lives is work like it's kind of crazy like you spend eight hours of your whole day working and when you're when you're kind of in the working world you spend so much of your time that it's that work-life balance it's like it's extremely important but I feel like you that work part is so, is so dominating in your day to day that if you hate what you do or you're not, or you're letting it affect you in, in different and bleed into other aspects of your life, it can be extremely, I mean, difficult and it can be really, you know, hard on people. And I feel like he taught me, you know, you're always going to face adversity and so many different aspects of the career path that you've chosen but it's how you respond to that adversity and how you let it affect you and not by letting it reduce you as a person and taking it and and saying, okay, like this is a learning experience. I'm just gonna take it for what it is and not letting it affect your personal life. I, I mean, I have a hard time with that because so much of my life is, I feel like work and I put uh, it put it in a really high um, category of my of my overall life that it's like, it's hard to not let it necessarily affect your personal, but like, I think it's important to know how to re you have to learn how to take your reactions and reduce them so that it doesn't let you affect everything else going on. So I feel like he's definitely taught me that and to not take shit from anybody. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, I'm glad you touched on, you know, you work so much and it kind of bleeds into other areas of your life. You know, if you had a bad day at work, you go home and you're having a bad day at home. Like it, it just kind of, uh, compiles all together. And one thing I heard was we have to car compartmentalize our lives. Yeah. You know, you need to be able to, you know, if I go to work, I'm going to work. And when I come home, it's, it's about my family. It's about yeah. my relationships at home. Um, and I think, I feel like it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. First off, do you feel like you with like, so with student athletes, like high school or college athletes, do you feel like Cause it's the same, it's honestly the same scale as being like, when you're in practice, you have a bad practice or a bad game. You almost have to like learn how to not let that affect like who you are as a person. Do you feel like that's something you've had to learn or not take like to that next step or compartmentalize as you said? I think definitely. And it, it, it goes to a different extent for everybody. You know, there's some guys on my team that you know, we may play a game and they may not see a minute on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, they, they learn to not 
let that affect them the next day at practice. They're just, they're going to do what they do or they're going to, they're going to take that exam the next day. And they're not going to let it boil over. Yeah. I know, I know for me, uh, I, I struggle with it up there yeah. with the worst of them, just because I feel like a lot of times, and you know, especially, especially throughout high school, my identity was rooted as a player in basketball yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in whatever sport I was in. And so if I had a good day in the weight room, if I had a good day on the court, yeah. then, you know, like today's going to be a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like and you've been able to like change that dynamic and like, how have you done that? I think it's definitely something I'm more conscious of now. Yeah. Um, when, when I do have a bad day at practice, it's just like, okay, it, it's not the end of the world. If like, I'm going to play, you know, my four or five years of college basketball and then I'm going to go into my career. I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to do this because at the end of the day, sports come to an end and we all know that, but it's yeah, really at any level really yeah, it's true. Yeah, and as you know, you say it, but to really understand it and grasp that concept it is a completely different animal that you, mm -hmm. that all athletes have to really overcome. And that, that comes down to the identity after you're done with sports all these athletes, all these former athletes struggling with mental health because they don't know how to handle themselves. Yeah. That's so true. So, so true. yeah. And we, we talk about the car compartmentalizing and everything. And uh, my high school coach loves to talk about balance and rhythm. Uh, Cause he feel, he feels like those are two key factors in every, anybody's life. You need to be able to balance your work life, your home life as yeah. an athlete, you need to balance mental health, physical wellness and all of yeah. that. And how are there any like routines or hmm. uh, things you do? I knew do this was coming. Help? I heard you ask this on the, on Drew's, Drew Bradley's podcast. Um, yeah. Routines. Okay. So I feel like over quarantine, it's been essential for me to I don't even want to say I have a routine, but I've improved my, I know I've identified that I needed a routine, right? So like going into the office every day and having a place that you're, okay, you wake up at, you know, seven o'clock every day, you're going, you got to get ready. Then, you know, you're going into the office. That is a routine when you have COVID and different industries have done the same thing. Everyone's working remote. I work in an industry where that's really weird. So like you're not around sports and like that's kind of the reason that you're really getting into it is so that you can be surrounded by it. And being remote since last March has been such a weird transition that I've really had to create a routine for myself because otherwise you can just roll out of bed and, you know, not leave your apartment for or house like for the, you know, 24 hours straight, days on end. It's really crazy. So I had to kind of assess like, okay, so I'm going to wake up. And then instead of like getting ready for work, I'm going to go to the gym. So like, I'm a, I like working out in the morning, um, getting it out of the way, coming back, having a cup of coffee. So I like to have like a little bit of time, my coffee time, and then like kind of jumping into everything. So I'm on the phones a lot. I'm calling people. I'm, I'm before COVID, I was meeting them in person because, you know, developing relationships with donors. So having like some moment of solitude before I'm jumping into the social part of my day, um, I think has been important, but, 
and then getting out for a walk every once in a while for lunch. It's, I feel like you can definitely work more hours at home than I would in the office. Cause when you go into the office, you have kind of your set hours. You're like, okay, I'm in there. And then, you know, you leave for the day and you go home and it's done. The day is done. But when you have like your work stuff at home, it's so easy to be like, oh, I'll just check this email really quick. Like on the weekend or it's eight o'clock at night and this donor emailed me. It's like, ah, I'm just going to get back to him just because, you know, I, then I don't have to do it tomorrow. So like, there's all these things where I feel like you're honestly spending more time probably working than you would have if you were in the office. So I've had to shut down my computer and not touch it because otherwise I'm going to look at it. I'm going to respond to emails. I'm going to make calls. So I have really had to be conscientious of turning off at the end of the day when I'm supposed to turn off, if that makes sense. So I guess that's kind of my answer for routine. Yeah, I mean, everybody needs that downtime. I mean, if you can only stare at email and make phone calls so much in a day until you're just drained. It's weird Um, because you're social. So I, I feel like, I don't know if anybody else feels like this regardless of like what industry you're in, but it's so weird if you're in sales or anything where you're like talking to people a lot, it's, it's so different because your communication is through zoom or on the phone. And it's like through a, like a device, right? Like you're not getting that one-on-one connection. So it's, it's so weird because you're social, but you're social in a very like isolating way that it's so strange because you're like, Oh, I like, didn't see anybody today, but you like, did see people or like you saw them on zoom or you talked to them on the phone. And it's, it's definitely weird because I'm, I love like getting to know people one-on-one in person. And I know like pretty much everybody that's working remote has had to get their social life from their like device, which is feeding into a whole nother issue, but it's just kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. So my next question for you is, you know, you, you talked about it right there, but as we kind of get into the tail end of COVID, hopefully, uh, and, you know, mandates are lifted and all this. Yeah. What are, what, what are some things you're doing first? What are, what are you most looking forward to? That is a great question. I feel like this is really weird, but this is the other caveat to being working remote and being remote for so long. I feel like so many people are going to have such a hard time going back into the office or like going back into a full day of work, like in person or going to events in person. Like I feel, I feel like there's this like going to be this anxiety of like, oh my God, I'm like going into the office. Like I'm for a full day. And it's like, I'm really excited, but it's also really strange because you've developed this routine being at home and you've developed these different things you're so used to that it's going to be so weird when you're then thrown. I feel like it's just, everyone's going to be thrown back into the mix full time. Like there's going to be no transition. And that kind of freaks me out more than anything. So I'm like, oh, I kind of like, I kind of like working from home once in a while. It's kind of nice. Like I can like make my lunch here. I go for a walk. I don't feel like, you know, there's like pros and cons to it. So I feel like there's this like weird anxiety about like what that's going to be like or what that transition will look like. So that that's kind of like lingering in my mind, but I'm like, I'm very excited for it. But I just feel like it's going to be really strange to be in a group of people. Madison's been very strict and has had limited capacity. You have to wear masks everywhere. So it's, I'm in a totally, I'm in a community where it's very like COVID restrictions are on the max. So I feel like it's going to be really, it's going to be a weird moment where I'm like around people not wearing masks or at a bar where people aren't wearing masks or 
you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't even know what that'll feel like because it's been so long. It It's gotten to the point for me where I'll watch a movie or something and there's there's a big crowd or something. I'm like, where where's yes. everybody's mask? Yes. Like, it, it just feels, it feels so I know, I know, I know. I totally agree. It is so strange watching things where people are in a group. It's very odd. Or like even, I mean, different places have different restrictions and rules. So it's so odd because you could go to like a different state and it's just a totally different thought process and atmosphere. So I just feel like it's going to be a really weird, I don't know. I kind of hope there's a transition, but I also feel like there's not going to be. So I'm just trying to like mentally prepare myself for that. And so we talked a lot about careers and uh, kind of indecisiveness with it what what's some advice you would give you know to graduating seniors or freshmen sophomores in college that mm -hmm. are going through uh these career choices that you know is going to affect them in one way or the other for the rest of their life you you hear all the time like oh like it's it's not that big that. of a deal yeah you hear all the time it's not that big of a deal but it, it's really um, hard to convince yourself that it's not so wh yes. what what advice would you give to them I feel like it's so much easier. I like envy the people like my sister's in law school. She's like, I'm going to be an attorney. My brother's in med school. I'm going to be a doctor. And then I'm like, what am I going to do? Where, where am I going? What's my path? I have no idea. I could do this. I could do that. And I envy the people that are like, they know what they want to do and they have their path. And it's like, that's amazing. But there's I feel like 90% of us that are like, I don't know, I think I could like this, or I think I could like this. I, I'm not really sure. So I feel like, I feel like, I guess like my advice would be if you want to try it, definitely try it. But if you hate it, that's okay. And you can do something else. It's okay to say like, I'm not sure what I want to do, or I don't know if I love this. So I want to see what else is out there. I feel like taking the and accepting that it's okay to not 100% know what you want to do right away is totally fair because how can you sit there and say, oh, I 100% I know I want to do this when you've never done it or have never worked in it? Because I feel like once you're actually working in it and doing it, you can see if you actually like it or not, right? So like I could sit there and say, oh, I would love being an athletic trainer, but what if I got into it and I hated it? you know, like I was, wasn't good at it, or I didn't like it. Like there's just, you're not going to know until you're living in that experience. But I would say it, knowing it's okay to not know is I think the step to, to taking that next step by addressing, like, it's okay if I don't know right now what I want to do, but being the best at whatever you're doing or taking as much experience from that one thing and saying like a pros and cons list, like, what did I like about athletic training? What did I like about the business office? What did I not like? And what it, what is going to make me better in whatever career path I decide to, to do within sports, like taking a pros and cons list of both and then saying, okay, in this next step, I know that I don't want this. And I know that I want this. I may not exactly know what that next step is, but I know that I've learned enough from column A and column B that I can take the next step and and kind of start figuring it out as you go. So I feel like it's okay to figure it out as you go. Don't be so hard on yourself. I was hard on myself. I wish I just like woke up and was like, I'm going to be, 
you know, A, B, and C, and I haven't been like that. So I think it's kind of what makes life exciting though, you know, because you could do anything you really want if you just try it. Right. I don't know if do that's you think, or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was good. Um, do you think kind of the paradox of choice kind of plays into that? And for those listening who don't know what that is, uh, the paradox of choice, uh, there was an example given when back in the 90s or whatever it was, uh, you'd go to the store and there was uh, one pair of jeans, yeah. one color and one size, and you pick mm-hmm. that and, you know, they didn't fit the best, but you broke them in, you wore them, and that's just how it was. And nowadays you you go into American Eagle or Hollister or whatever, and they've got all these yeah. different colors, different holes in different spots and all of these. Yep. And you're never fully confident because you always wonder if there's something better or something you'll enjoy yes. more. And do you think that's kind of similar when deciding a career path? I am the queen of indecisiveness and being like, I want the Hollister jeans and the American Eagle jeans. I think that is the, that is a hundred percent like what the issue is. There's so many options that it's overwhelming. And you're like, but what if I like this better? I'm such a like, whatever that I'm like, what if I do this? Or like, what if I hate this or what if, and I've just kind of, realize those questions will never put you in a position to be successful because you're constantly like that's such a constant cycle you can do that in anything in life so it's like you really have to kind of quiet those demons because otherwise you will continue to live in that cycle but a hundred percent I think that's one of the issues that people have when they're trying to figure out what they want to do um what was the question again (laughs) I just agree with it I 100% agree with it yes yeah, I forgot it, what the question it comes, was. Yeah, it, it comes down to asking fruitful questions, things that aren't just gonna, that have a negative demeanor to them that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's okay, what if I like this better? It's okay, what do I not want to do? And what do yeah, I like to I do? I agree. That's okay. That would be my advice. I agree. I have always, I 100% agree. My biggest thing is like, I feel like I found what I don't want before I found what I want. And like, that's okay because I've taken every experience and said, okay, like I, again, I don't love this. I like this about it, but I don't like this. And it's okay that I don't want to do it, but now I know. So now I can go on to something else or, you know, transition into something else. So a hundred percent, I think that it's, it's just as important to know what you don't want while you're trying to figure out what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you talk about, you know, trying it because you won't know unless you try it and Mm -hmm. Uh, learn learning from experience and how has uh, like when you were going to athletic training and you were you know testing that out how are how have you learned stuff from athletic training and other areas and careers that you've worked to implement into now business and fundraising yeah so I feel like I I've my career path has continuously been in one industry, right? So it's in athletics, it's in college athletics. Um, it's been in division one. So I, I've narrowed it down to a couple to like, at least the industry. Right. Um, but I would say one of the things that people I feel like are also afraid of is other people like judging them or saying, you, you can't do this because that's not your background. Like screw those people. If you, if you, I can't even tell you how many people are like, oh, like athletic training, like you're not going to be 
you're not going to be a good fundraiser. Okay. Well, I've learned what student athletes want. I've learned what they need. I've learned how to build relationships with them. I've learned how to build relationships in general. I've learned how to build relationships with coaches, administration, all this stuff that I've learned from athletic training. And I can apply that to talking to a donor and saying, this is what's important. This is what they need money for. You, there's just skill sets that you have or you don't have, and you got to play on those skill sets. I like talking to people. I like to talk. So that's a skill set I have. I may not have a business background. I might not have a sales background, but I can take my skills that are that were I have and then take the experiences that I have and kind of formulate it in order to be successful. So I feel like athletic training has taught me so many things that I can now apply into what I'm doing right now. But people would tell me all the time, like, oh, that's weird. Like, are you sure you're going to be good at it? Are you sure you're going to like it? And it's like, I don't know, but like, I'm not going to let you tell me that I'm not going to be able to try it or do it. Yeah, don't let you, people tell you can't do it. You can do it. Right. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Um, so you talked about it. judgment there, but how has, or if it has at all, uh, comparison played a role in your career? I mean, you're you're a female in a male dominated field and going into your career, you said, you know, your sister knew she wanted to be an attorney. Your brother knew he wanted to be in med school. Has comparison, you know, played a role at all in, you know, how you think of your career and how you carry yourself a little bit? Yeah, I think it's super hard when you're, I mean, everybody compares themselves, right? It's impossible not to. Um, whether it's within your industry or it's outside of it, like your friend group, like, there's always going to be a friend that's, you know, killing it and good for them. And you're happy for them, but you're also like, damn, like, why am I not in this position myself? Or why am I not further along in my career? Or why am I not this, this, and this? So I think it can be such a deadly thing, but it's, it's something I just really try. I mean, I have really had to like take a step back and be like, okay, where are you right now? And why are you here? How did you get here? And you wanted to be here at one point. So why aren't you enjoying your, like now that you're here, why aren't you just enjoying it? Cause at one point I was sitting, you know, in the business office thinking, oh man, I want to be, a I want to be in development. I want to be in revenue. And now I'm here. So it's like, and I'm already thinking about the next step, but it's like, why am I not, this is what I wanted to do. Why am I not just enjoying what I'm doing right now? Cause this at one point was something I wanted. So I think it's important to take stock in what you're doing and being happy with it. And then with the comparison portion of it, I mean, people have, you know, it's so, I, I just think it is such a hard thing not to compare yourself, but like, I mean, I just feel like you have to shut that demon down and say like, I am where I am. I'm going, this is my trip around the sun. Like I don't have time to be sitting worrying about what Sally down the street is doing. She's got a million bucks and she's married with kids and house and I'm sitting in, you know, one bedroom, like by myself, like, it just doesn't matter. Like everyone has their own like pace and everyone has their own, like their own path, right? Like nobody's path should be the same and, and should be any less better or, or worse than anybody else's because we're all just trying to make it through the day. Right. So everyone's got their own demons and all you can do is just stick to your path and know that that's your truth. Yeah. And you, you touched on something right there that I, I want to dive into. And you talked about being in the moment and, you know, you, you hear it as a joke or, you know, people say it, but, you know, we, we always 
uh, look forward to the good old days. And, you know, we, we continue looking forward and looking forward, looking at the next thing, looking at the next thing. And we don't realize that we're living in what we were looking forward to Mm -hmm. just a few years earlier. And I know that's something I, I really struggle with because I feel like it's, it's, I feel like for everybody, it's incredibly difficult to do. Um, and I guess, I guess I'm kind of asking, is there something like times when you catch yourself thinking about that and you, you say something yourself to like reel yourself back in or how, how have you seen that play out in your life? Yeah, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, so I'm 29, but I feel like I'm like 24, 25. Like I like surrounding myself with energetic, like a lot of people I work with are younger than me. Right. And so it's like, weird because I feel like the like older aunt but like I'm not I know I'm not like that much older but it's like you know there's like a weird like a little like oh like I like I like hang out with them and go out with them and sometimes I'm like damn like am I just the old hen like I don't know but I'm fine with being the old hen like I am who I am and I mean what what am I gonna do like I can't really change anything this is how I am who I am and again, just accepting wherever you are is so important. But I mean, if you're spending so much time, like thinking about the future and the next step, like you are literally going to wake up. My biggest fear is to wake up, be like 40 or not that that's old, 40 or 50, just, but like, wake up and be like, what did I do with my life? Like, where did it go? And I feel like people spend so much time, like worrying about different, like things that just don't matter in like the grand scheme of things that they're missing out on like what's in front of them. Like, and what, and like what's important at that time. Like we're all gonna be successful someday. We're all gonna get to that next step in our career. But like, if we're constantly thinking about that then I'm gonna miss this year of my life constantly thinking about that and not just enjoying like, okay, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing right now. So I feel like it's just changing your mindset, which is way easier said than done. So I guess if I start doing that, then I just go have a cocktail and stop thinking about it. And I go around and hang out with friends and I try to change the mindset and stop thinking about it, you know? Yeah, very much so. Uh, so I've got, I've got just a few more questions here for okay. you. Um, and this, this question is something I've, I heard in a podcast I was listening to earlier this week. And, you know, this is going to be kind of my test run for it, but do you have a favorite failure? And what I mean by that is, you know, is there something uh, that at in the moment seemed to be kind of detrimental, like pivotal in your life Yeah. that looking back has, you know, like made you who you are or opened a door that you didn't see before? Yeah, I do. Now that I think about it, I do. Okay. So I had this, I had this, she was like a, she was a, athletic trainer at Iowa. And she was, um, she was just one of the head athletic trainers of a sport there. And I was my last year, I was under her working. And at my graduation, she, everybody does a speech like they're, you're like, um, I don't even know what you would call it. It was like my, not my mentor, but like the person I was working under as a student. So like your last year, your like full rotation is with that person. And for whatever reason, I just feel like she didn't like me and I could tell she didn't like me. And like the person before me, I knew she like loved and whatever. And for whatever reason, I just never felt like she really liked me. And at my graduation, 
she, my speech was like, yeah, like, or she, I had to like sit down with her and meet with her and just kind of talk about the next step in my career. And I just remember her saying that she didn't think I was capable of working in division one and, or like in, in a career path of any, in, in sports. And she's like, I think you're going to do better in a smaller setting. And that, you know, that's just going to be more your speed. And I remember she said that, and I was so like heartbroken and just kind of like, man, like you really, you don't like, why don't, why couldn't I do it? And granted my next step was to work at a division three school, the university of Whitewater, which was so important because it's like, you go from a huge university that has tons of funding and then you go to a school and you work with student athletes that are literally there because they love to play sports and they would give anything to have another year, another season, and they are doing it on their own. They're not getting school paid for. They're not getting books. They're not getting uniforms. They're not, they are all in. And like going from that setting and having her say that to me, like, oh yeah, I think that's going to be good for you. That's where I see you. Then me going there and then just making sure I killed it while I was there. And then to then take the next step and take everything I learned from Whitewater and those amazing division three student athletes that I worked with who are, I think the best kind of athlete to be perfectly honest, to then take that and then get a division one job was like the biggest FU I could ever do. And I will never forget when she said that. And to this day, I like wrote it down. Like, it's like my burn book, like, but I use it as motivation. Like I'm not resentful towards her. I'm not, I don't feel anger. I just am like, okay, like there's going to be haters. There's going to be people that'll doubt you, but you have to like take that and use it as motivation because that was probably was one of the more motivating things that had been ever said to me. Cause I hadn't ever had anybody be that direct with me and say like, Oh, I don't think you'd be good at it or you wouldn't do well in that setting. And so like, it was kind of this fuel that I've taken with me and said like, okay, well, I'll just prove you wrong. And you know, but so I guess that's kind of a pivotal, that was a pivotal thing when I was graduating college. And again, I was scared. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So having somebody of influence say that to you is pretty, was pretty defeating, but it was something that stuck with me. So I guess it worked. Maybe it was a plan. I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, I had, you know, a, a coach, a coach tell me I would never play college basketball or college basketball. Really? I had, yeah. And you know, it, you, you mentioned it earlier, but embracing the adversity, manage, managing the adversity and turning that and all the doubts and the judgment and the comparison, everything, and using that to grow to somewhere that you never thought possible. Yeah. Did you take that? Was, did it like anger you or were you like, I wouldn't, I mean, at you first, like, I was think like, about it sometimes, like where you're like, oh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's something I, I think about even to this day, just because, you know, here, here I am playing college basketball, living yeah. my, living my dream. And yep. uh, it just, it, and it, it was something that really phased me then because, you know, then I start yeah. to have these self doubts and you yeah, wonder, you're okay, at an I, age where you're like, oh my God, like an adult is saying this to me, like, you don't know how to process those. Like when someone's saying that to you, you don't know how to process that emotion or how to react to it. It's hard. Yeah. And so at that point, and you talked about it earlier too, you're, you're dancing with those demons, those inner, those voices and everything and, and the self doubt and everything. And it, it can be a scary thing 
mm-hmm. if you don't handle it and manage it right. Um, and especially because you know you're already thinking those things, right? Like that's already in your right. head. Like everybody has self doubt. So like when somebody else outside in a position of influence or power says it, you're like, "Well, this doesn't help me." <laughs> this makes me feel worse. Yeah. Right. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Um, but if I love asking this question because I get so many different answers, but if you owned a billboard, what is a quote, an image or a question that you would put on for everybody to see? Give an example. Like what if people said, I'm just curious. Um, I've had people, uh, one is a quote uh, one of my old mentors lives by is inch by inch, life's a cinch, yard by yard, it's really hard, change is incremental. Uh, I've had um, people say, Jesus loves you. I've had comparison is the thief okay. of joy. Um, it's really, really whatever you think that everybody should hear or see. That is a really good question. Um, Okay, I guess I have two, I'm gonna give you two. Okay, so on Drew Bradley, who was on this podcast previously, very good friend of mine. um, One of the things we've talked about, so I've worked at Wisconsin for now five years and it's kind of, I'm kind of the point where I'm like, okay, so like it's time to take the next step. And a lot of people in sports move around, you kind of have to move around um, at some point just kind of the different schools and whatnot, get different experiences and whatnot. And so that's obviously changes really scary. And we were just talking and he was like, yeah, the best thing for me was moving to Wisconsin because I didn't know anybody, you know, it was terrifying, like I'm far away, you know, whatever. And so, you know, with me kind of contemplating like what's next for me, what am I going to, what, where do I want to see myself next? It's, it's scary. Cause I've been, you know, I'm, I'm a Wisconsin person, Wisconsin girl. I've, you know, worked for the last five years and different roles, but, you know, kind of thinking about leaving, it's a scary thing. And one of the things that he said to me was, um, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I like that because it's so true. You have the most growth when you're uncomfortable. Like so many people stay in the same job, same relationship, same, you know, day to day, because they're so afraid of what the unknown is and making a change. But I, but I feel like that you're never going to, you're never going to see yourself in a different light or allow yourself to grow. If you're not allowing yourself to take that next step and be uncomfortable, whether that uncomfortable works out or not, you're still putting yourself in a position of growth. So like, I love that quote. So I guess I would say one would be get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then Another one that I really like, and we talked about this earlier, but um, Maya Angelou is like one of my favorites. And so like one of her quotes is like, if you can't control the events in your life, you can't control the events in like your life, but you can control like your, your decision to not be reduced by them. So like you can't necessarily control all the events that happen, but you can control your reaction and how you allow it to affect you. So I like love that quote too. So those are my two. Drew Bradley yeah, and Maya both. Angelou. Never thought those would be in the same sentence, but <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, both, those are both really good. And uh, kind of my last question for you here is, are there any books or podcasts that you would recommend uh, to anybody listening, whether they're books you're looking to read in the future, books you've read or podcasts you want to listen to or have listened to? Uh, 
So I, I just am finishing up where the crawdaddies sing and that's super good. Highly recommend it. It's really, really sad. It's totally unsports related. Um, but I love like trashy TV. I love like reality stuff. I love like reality TV. It's like my weird, like escape. And I really enjoy it. And that's like, it's, I mean, that it's not like reality TV or anything like that, but it's a really deep and sad and intense book, but it's very, very good. So we're the crowd icing. I highly recommend that. Um, one of the podcasts I've been listening to, it's called just, I think it's called just be. So Bethany Frankel, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she is, was a, is a, is a reality star, but she is somebody that's an entrepreneur entrepreneur and she created the brand skinny girl are you familiar with that so it's like it's like low calorie cocktails and so she's like now a, a bill like a millionaire she created this company out of nothing it's called skinny girl it's it's in all, like around the country major retail stores and so she um is an entrepreneur that i look up to because she literally started from nothing with no money and she created this amazing brand and is very much into empowering women. And so she created this podcast podcast called Just Be. Um, so I'm really into that. She, again, she was on the Real Houses of New York, which is how I originally knew her. But she's very good friends with Mark Cuban, who I'm also a huge fan of. Um, and so they had a podcast that I thought was really good. It's short. If you're looking for just like a quick half an hour one, highly recommend it, Just Be. And it's with Mark Cuban. And they just talk about, you know, if you're looking to start a new business or be an entrepreneur or come up with your idea, like they talk about like how to just do it and like from their perspective. So I thought like that's one of my favorite podcasts is with her. She has all these different industry leaders. They're short, they're quick, love it. Um, and then I want to read Mark Cuban's new book. Um, I think it's like 15 Pillars to Success or something. I just... I love Mark Cuban. I love Shark Tank. Could watch that all day. So those are my recommendations. Yeah, I I love watching Shark Tank too, and uh, that's okay. definitely a podcast. Yeah, that's a podcast I'm gonna have to listen to. I'll I'll add it up in my queue. But uh, Amy, it's been so great having you on today. Thank yeah. you so much for for everything you've shared and all the insight and wisdom and. Uh, just glad we could find the time to do this. So thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, me too. This was so fun. I'm happy to help and happy to be on it. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you again.